Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 73 of X Lapsed. And uh, before we get into it here, for uh, all of my American friends listening in real time, I want to wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving. I hope uh, maybe I'm keeping you company while you're stuffing the bird or uh, preparing your pies or something. Uh, as I record this, I've actually got about a half dozen uh, pumpkin cheesecakes cooking. So the house is uh, it's aromatic and uh, wonderful and while it's still very, very warm outside, it, uh, it's even warmer inside, which I guess is a good and bad thing. Um, but uh, like I said, for those of you who are listening in real time, thank you so much for uh, including me uh, on, your, uh, on your holiday here. Uh, for those of you who are listening a little bit later, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And if, uh, if you're listening to this in like August of 2024, I hope you had many Happy Thanksgivings in the interim, but uh, it's a little bit of a different uh, sort of Thanksgiving here with with it being the year it's been, and uh, you don't need me to tell you that it's been very, very weird, but uh, Thanksgiving is usually, I refer to it as my Super Bowl, you know, I prepare for it all year long, um, I love to cook, it's one of my, one of my non-comic passions, and uh, usually on a day like today I'd be preparing to entertain and feed between dinner and dessert probably 25-30 people. However, this year it's a little bit different, and of course it's for everybody's own good not to, uh, you know, assemble in such large a number. But, uh, yeah, you know, it still kind of stinks, doesn't it? It's very, very different, and uh, yeah, we, I guess we can just uh, be thankful for everything we've had and uh, hope for maybe a little bit better next year, or how about a lot better next year? But uh, speaking of uh, hoping for better, uh, we have an issue of X-Men today, which uh, I didn't like. I did not like this book. I, I, I don't want to go as far as to say I hated it, but I really didn't like it. Um, eh, well, well let's, let's just get into it. <laughs> this is X-Men Volume 5, Number 9. And this had a May 2020 cover date. This is actually the final Dawn of X book from before the COVID time jump. So the next book we talk about will have a uh, July 2020 cover date. And we'll uh, actually be hitting the racks almost two months to the day after this issue. So uh, that's going to be an interesting little jump. But uh, for this issue, it's called The King Egg. And I'm guessing it has something to do with that damned King Egg. Written by Jonathan Hickman, with art by Lionel Francis Yu. Colors, Sonny Go. Letters, VCs, Clayton Cowles. Designs, Tom Muller. Edits, Biso White Zabolski. Cover price, $3.99. Went on sale March 25th of 2020. Now, we open back then, which we're going to eventually learn is actually 8,000 years ago. 
We're in Halla in the Cree Empire, and I'm bored already. Um, we've got us an accuser and a couple of Cree researchers, and they've just discovered a race of beings known as the Brood. Now they discuss where they found them, and I quote, in the dark matter flow of a collapsed universe. That might be like the worst kind of line I want to read in a Hickman book. It's it's like it's almost like parody. Um, actually, check that because the very next line says a remote team of imperial xenotomologists, which might actually be the worst kind of Hickman line you could read. Anywho, they talk about the brood's abilities and they view them as a highly adaptive species. So much that hey, you know what? Maybe the Kree can weaponize them against their enemies. Uh, one way they might be able to control this matriarch matriarchal species would be to introduce a patriarchal element to the hive, and that element would be the king egg. Now our trio heads into a chamber to uh, run this by the supreme intelligence. I am so tired of this space stuff. Uh, uh, the supreme intelligence might be my comics Mendoza line. I mean, can we stop? <laughs> Now, the intelligence agrees with the Krees and suggests that the brood can be of use, especially against those pesky Shi'ar. Next, credits, then our roll call. We've got Vulcan, Cyclops, Havoc, who should be away with the Hellions right now, Brew, Jean Grey, who should be dead. I, I mean, it might sound silly for me to bring this up, but these were things we used to care about. We also have Hepzibah. Corsair, Raza, Cha'ad, Gladiator, Kid Gladiator, Manta, Oracle, Sunspot, and Cannonball. We jump ahead 8,000 years to the present, and our heroes are heading into Shi'ar space with the King Egg. If you remember last issue, they, uh, they left Krakoa with the Egg because the Brood attacked, and they wanted to lure them away from Earth. Well, unfortunately for them, the Brood are rapidly gaining on them, uh, and they're on those gross, dead space whale things. Which I think we're going to find out they aren't actually dead, but they look very dead. Uh, they're, they're still disgusting, though. We shift scenes to the space station where that accuser is holding the Starjammers hostage. There, our man Roberto da Costa is still on the hollow phone, and he reveals that the King Egg is on its way back into the area. And, oh, by the way, the Shi'ar Imperial Guard are also headed to the station in order to take the accuser out. Whoops. So... Gladiator and company burst on the scene right away. Kid Gladiator asks his father to F this accuser up, and so he does. Gladiator punches the accuser so hard he flies out of the space station, through space, past the X-Men ship, and into one of those gross whale's mouths. And this is my indication that those whales aren't dead because it chomps down hard on this poor accuser. So they're not dead, they're still very disgusting. At this point, Vulcan begins losing control of the ship, and the X-Men are going to have to land. There appear to be two options. They can land on that space station, or the planetoid that it orbits. Cyclops suggests, and rightfully so, that it'd be far easier to land on the planetoid, as hey, they'll have more room to groove, right? And also, the Brood are currently chowing down on the space station, so uh, maybe that window's already shut. The X-Men, well, Havoc anyway, calls out to the station to warn them and suggest they, uh, you know, evacuate ASAP. After a somewhat surprising father and son reunion, Corsair asks if they have the King Egg. Gladiator then puts two and two together and realizes what this is all about. He asks the X-Men to land on that nearby planetoid. Then the space station goes boom when one of those nasty whales crashes into it. Luckily, everybody makes it off safely. 
Scott and Jean talk about the brood queens for a bit, and it's a kind of boring way to spend a couple of pages. It kind of changes the origin of the brood a bit. (sighs) I'm sorry. (laughs) It's just not interesting to me. Uh, then, when our units are reunited, a fight is on. So we've got the X-Men, the Starjammers, and the Imperial Guard fighting off this brood of the brood. Uh, and it rages for an entire page and a half. Then, suddenly, the brood all stand down. They stop attacking like, uh, those, uh, weird beetle bounty hunters in giant Size Nightcrawler, right? But why? Well, you see, the King Egg is no more. It was just eaten by Brew. Huh? Is this supposed to be funny or tragic? And is Brew now the king of the brood, I guess? Huh? Uh, We wrap up with two very long and dense info pages. Unfortunately, the word Supremor is in the title, so I'm sorry, Yang. (laughs) I'm not going to read it. I'm sorry. Uh, Next episode, we're into the double digits with Marauders number 10. But how about we talk about this issue? And, uh... I want to start by apologizing. Space story fatigue is a real thing, and it's hit me, and it's kicked my ass. That's not the fault of this book. That's not the fault of this creative team. It's not even the fault of this direction. I have very little tolerance for space stuff to begin with. And I'm sorry, Hickman just refuses to stop. I mean, can we get a, can we get an issue without the Starjammer showing up? Can we get an issue without Gladiator? Just... Yeah, you Clearly, we can get issues that just focus on the X-Men, and those are fantastic. Can't we get more of those? I'm just so damn tired of this space stuff. And the Supreme Intelligence? No. Please, no. No. What's next? The Living Tribunal? Eternity? A fleet of Celestials? Come on, can we just not? Please, give me X-Men stories. And I understand and appreciate that there are folks in the fandom who, you know, a story like this, with guest stars like this, really butters their bread. There's nothing wrong with that, and in fact, I envy you that. I just want an X-Men story. Which I I understand might be a pretty big ask in a book called X-Men, but we've already seen that it can be done, so please keep doing that. And I mean, I understand that I'm being overly negative here, and it's probably unfair of me to hold this book not being what I wanted to be against it, right? But hey, you know, um, I'm also not going to lie to you. I'm not just going to slap a a 10 out of 10 on this one because I know I'm supposed to. You know, the brood may be a hive mind, but I'm not going to join the comics review hive mind. This is not for me. If this is the kind of story you're going to like, you'll like it. I'm tired of the space stuff. I remember back in the day, and I can't, again, I can't hold that against this issue, but it's like... Once every few years, we'd go into space. Now it's like several times a month. It's a little, little much. Uh, one thing I guess we could talk about that, as it pertains to the nuts and bolts of the issue, is it's kind of oddly paced. I mean, we spend all this time before the credits having the Kree discuss the, discuss the brood, which really amps up the idea that there's going to be like this big, huge battle here. And that battle, when it finally happens, lasts one one splash page and a couple of panels. I don't want to say that the ending felt rushed, but it was like one of those situations where it almost feels like Hickman was writing and realized, you know, uh uh-oh, I'm running out of pages. (laughs) You know, am I going to get a whole extra issue out of this, or am I just going to close the door on it now? And thankfully, 
thankfully we, we ended it now. Um, I guess less thankfully, I think we're going into Empire next, but we'll worry about that another day. First, how about we talk about that ending? Brew eats the king egg and maybe becomes the king of the brood? Okay, then what? Is this just a gag? Or God help us, are the X-Men going to have like a brood stable or something on Krakoa? I, I don't want to see that. I mean, I, I don't want to see any more space stuff for at least a couple issues. And like I said, next we've got Empire, so I guess... Actually, I don't even know what Empire is. Empire might be another space story, for all I know. I really haven't the foggiest idea, so we might be in for more of it. Um... Okay, let me let me wrap up this discussion. I I, I know I'm being very negative here, and I, I apologize if that's a turnoff, but this really is like everything I don't want in an X-Men story. Feel free to disagree. That's totally cool. If everything I'm saying right now invalidates my opinion for you guys moving forward, I understand. I totally get that. But uh, here's a little bit more negativity. Um, we're going to... This is like some of that old man yelling at a cloud sort of stuff here. Uh, last episode, right? Episode 72. We covered Wolverine number two, right? And we're following the Marvel in-book reading order, by the way. And in that book, Jean Grey's dead, and she's cooking away in a gold ball. And yet she's here. And she's in the story before this. Uh, you know, the X-Men issue before this. The issue before... The episode before that, you know, I guess it would be episode 71... And also, following the Marvel in-book reading order, we looked at Hellions number one. In that book, Havoc is declared a dangerous mutant, and he was teamed up with other dangerous mutants, and yet he's here. And he was here in X-Men number, uh, number eight as well. I know this isn't the 80s or 90s anymore, and I know that we're all way too cool to notice details like this. But a little cohesion isn't too much to ask, is it? I, I mean... It's not as though there aren't like 10,000 other mutants on Krakoa they could have used here instead of Gene and Alex, right? And I'm sorry, I know this isn't a hill worth dying on or anything, but it's annoying. And to me, maybe I take it a little bit more personally, it's a clear show of disrespect for all of us useful idiots who still buy these books week to week. Because I don't know how they're setting up these anthology books, the Dawn of X volumes, I don't know if what the reading order is in those. I don't know how much sense they make. But before all that, people are buying these things week to week. And we're spending a pretty penny on this stuff. Show us a little bit of respect. Don't tell us, oh yeah, you know that book you just read? Don't read it for three weeks. Because it's not going to make sense or it's not going to fit. Or, oh, oh, before you read today, today's you know stack of books, you're going to have to wait a month and a half to get to the one that comes before that. That's BS. And it's disrespectful. We're the ones buying this stuff every single week. So uh, help us out a little bit. Overall, yeah, I didn't care for this. Uh, <laughs> I really didn't like it. And again, take my opinion with a shake or a salt. Because this, to me, is like the antithesis of what I want out of an X-Men story. Your mileage may, and hopefully does, vary. I hope if this is the kind of story that does you know, rock your socks, then it did. For me, I am just so sick of the space stuff. I just want my X-Men stories. And we know Hickman, when he's doing X-Men stories, can do a fantastic job. And yet, we got friggin' Corsair, and friggin' Gladiator, 
and the brood. I'm just so tired of it. But yeah, that's all I have to say about X-Men number 9. But X-Men number 9 is the last Dawn of X Wave 1 number 9 we're going to talk about. So how about we do our power rankings? Now, the best book to me of the number 9s is probably, very little surprise, Marauders. Second best book, X-Force. Third third best book, Excalibur. Fourth best book, New Mutants. Fifth best book, this. X-Men number 9. It's the my least favorite book of the number 9s. So, Marauders, X-Force, Excalibur, New Mutants, X-Men. I have a feeling a lot of people will disagree with that list. And if you do, please feel free to uh, to give me your list. I'd like to uh, I'd like to exchange notes all the time. So, uh, that is the uh, the analytical portion of this program. Uh, how about we hop into the mailbag here? We're going to start with Damien, who's talking about New Mutants number nine. He says, As with Excalibur and X-Force, it turns out that the Brisson New Mutants gets considerably better immediately after I dropped it. I sometimes wonder how much of the comics industry is kept afloat by people buying the next issue in case it gets better. We're so used to a certain bit of coasting that we put up with it. This issue, the characterization of Boom Boom felt less odd because we had her contrasted with Danny and the others. And I, I, lo- I love the point you, you made there, because um, I, I, I bet that sticking with a title in hopes that it, that it gets better describes just so many of the remaining fan base out there. Um, I know personally, for many years, it was the only reason I stuck around. Between that and just like a weird measure of loyalty to books that have, have absolutely no loyalty to me. Um, I just couldn't let them go. Uh, and, you know, we get used to the ebbs and the flows, un- uneven levels of quality, uh, especially recently with all the reboots and relaunches and universe-spanning crossover events. We get the lame duck periods where it's like, hey, we need to fill three months. Give me a story that doesn't matter so we can get to the next event. And, and we just don't think about it. And And very seldom do we even view, like, even the worst issues as actual jumping-off points. Which makes me think of a question here. I'd like to hear from folks about their own personal jumping-off points. Were they the result of one particularly bad issue? Like, was it a bridge too far where it was just like, okay, this sucks, I'm done. Was it a cumulative thing? Where, like, the bad in the books just kept piling up until you were just like, that's the final straw, gotta go for a bit? Or was it something from outside the story itself? Was it was it price points? Was it gimmicks? Was it or was it a writer you don't care for coming on? Was it an art de- decision? Just uh, I'd love to know what uh, what you guys think about jumping off points. I know we talk a lot about jumping on points, and like what was your first, and why did you stick around, and what was it that you loved about it? But jumping off points could be just as interesting a conversation. So I invite anybody interested to uh, to share that with me, and uh, and the rest of the class, of course. Uh, Damien continues, There's no doubt that they're trying to integrate the next wave version of Boom Boom with the original X-Factor version, but in order to do that, you pretty much have to ignore a hundred issues of X-Force. And yeah, totally. Totally. Boom Boom spent her, you know, her adolescence as a member of X-Force. And as such, went through a lot of, you know, growing pains and changes. Uh, Which is to say, she got herself a whole lot of 90s X-Men angst. And I say that with love, of course, because I'm a huge fan of 90s X-Men angst. Here, though, I could barely recognize her. Uh, You could have told me this was any character, and it would have been like, okay, 
But when you tell me it's Boom Boom, it's like, that just doesn't seem right. <laughs> it just doesn't seem like the Boom Boom that I grew up with. So it's it's a little jarring. Uh, Damien continues, I wish Marvel had kept Next Wave out of continuity. As a standalone book, it worked by combining pop culture, particularly the prevalence of reality TV, with humor and so- superheroics. It was a fun read and showcased some of the best work of Stuart Immonen's career, but it could not work in continuity. By being folded into the Marvel Universe, it damaged Monica Rambeau, Boom Boom, Machine Man, and even Fin Fang Foom. A fun little series was not worth ruining a number of characters. And I'll definitely agree as it pertains to Eminem. Uh, his next wave work was very, very good. And if I stop to think about it, I think that might have been the first time his work ever clicked with me. Because, uh, I, of course, I was aware of Stuart Eminem, and I, and I remember... Probably around the turn of the century, when I was getting reacquainted with DC Comics, and Superman in particular, I was buying up the, uh, I think we call them the Berganza era uh, Superman trade paperbacks. It was a numbered group of, uh, it was kind of like the anthology series that we get for Dawn of X, just it didn't fit every single book in there. So like, every few months you'd get a collection of Superman titles, you know, and it it would tell a nice little story, and it would... Really just, you know, give you the lay of the land without having to track down the individual issues. And I tell you, as I read these, I absolutely dreaded the imminent chapters because they were just so different from everything else in the book. And I thought it was just so off-putting. I just could not appreciate his style. With Next Wave, though, I felt like he really shined. And then, I mean, when I when I saw him on things like Bendis' All-New X-Men, I fell for it big time. I became a huge fan of Eminem's work. He was the he was like one of the main reasons I was buying that book because I wasn't too big a fan of the book or the story of the book. But uh, Eminem's work was just fantastic. So definitely big fan of his work. It would be nice to see him do some stuff with uh, with the Dawn of X uh, books here. Uh, Damien continues. This issue was the first where I really enjoyed Flaviano's work. Obviously, he suffers in comparison to Rod Rees, but he handles the combination of industrial buildings and crazy reality warping really well. He also manages to differentiate a number of different blonde white girls enough that we can actually tell them apart in close-up, which is no easy task. And I actually had to check the credits again after reading this, because it didn't seem like the same Flaviano from the farm story. Uh, this was, like, really, really strong, where that felt a little bit... I don't want to say it was bad, it just felt a little phoned in. It felt very, um... I think I compared it to the new X-Men Academy X uh, sort of uh, art style, where it was a little bit manga-inspired, a little bit X-Men Unlimited, you know, just not not exactly what I was looking for. But here, really, really good stuff. Uh, Damien continues... It was interesting to hear Andrew's point of view in the feedback section. I have a certain level of identification with the idea of checking out the X-Men to see how they're being ruined this time. The only difference would be, I picked up each new launch in the hope that they would be great, only to be disappointed. And uh, Andrew had written in a piece a few episodes back where he talked about really not caring for this new direction. And uh, he, as Damien alluded to, he mentioned that every so often he would pop back in on the X-Men and... uh, it would be very pessimistic about what he was about to see. He would just wonder how how Marvel was ruining them. And I tell you, I am intrigued by both points of view here because I've got the sickness, right? I've got the illness. I almost never step away, you know? So the idea of actually popping in to take the temperature 
of a of a family of books, you know, just to see how bad or good a certain direction may be is such a such an alien <laughs> concept to me. Despite the fact that this entire program is predicated on that sort of a situation, but that more goes back to my sickness because the Hox Pox Docs books could have been the best things in the world or absolute crap, but I'm addicted to the X-Men, so I wouldn't have I wouldn't have noticed. <laughs> I'd still be coming back. It's just what I'm going to do. So it's clear that both Andrew and Damien are both better adjusted humans than I am. And I wish I could relate to that sensation. Um, You know, even with books that I've dropped, uh, my returns are usually this multi-level sort of obsessive thing where, like like with here, with Hox Pox Docs, I started buying the newest issues. You know, I went in, I bought X Men Volume 5, number one. And I was going to go on from there. But then immediately, I went back and picked up everything I skipped. Because I couldn't not have them. So, for me, it's a totally different sensation. It's not about the quality of the book. It's just about filling a need, an obsessive sickness. That I I feel like I need to have these things. Uh, because I always have had these things. And it feels weird not to have these things. So... That's definitely an interesting um, uh, situation there where people, well, ad- more, more well-adjusted folks can actually pop in on a series, see what they like, see if they don't like it, stick around with it if they do, drop it again if they don't. I wish I, I, was, uh, <laughs> I, wish I was right in the head enough to do something like that. Um, now, uh, Damien continues. Where Andrew and I differ, I think, is in our idea of what the X-Men should be. I've mentioned before that I came into U.S. comics with the Mutant Massacre. I consider the Claremont run from around issue 200 up to 279 to be the best era of the X-Men. The main characteristic of this run is change. Claremont at his peak never gave us what we expected, and that is what I want from the X-Men. So often what fails with X-Men relaunches is that we've seen it all before. My favorite thing about the current run is that they're doing things that I never would have imagined. I have so many criticisms of the books, but they've reignited my X-Men fandom because they demand a response. Having theories about what's really going on takes me back to wondering about things like Wolverine's origin or who Maddie Maddie Pryor was. This feels like the X-Men I loved because it's worthy of discussion, and I'll take that even if I end up disappointed by individual stories or how the whole era winds up ending. Excellent point. Excellent point. I couldn't say it any better myself. Um, And yes... Despite the fact that this new take is divisive, and certain elements might work better than others, it is eliciting an almost demanding analysis. And uh, that is definitely... I, I was recently on a program on the Radolition Broadcasting Network discussing Marvel. If folks remember Marvel, it was a Bill Jemis vanity project where he basically made fun of DC Comics um, and... Gave his thoughts on the meaning of life, creation, and religion, and it is possibly the worst comic book ever created, but I still would recommend everybody experience it, because it's very, 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 very bizarre. And we were talking about how, even though that book might be the worst thing ever, it had a value to it, because we were able to talk about it for like over two hours, we spent two hours talking about Marvel, which uh, th- that tells you that there's something there. So even the stories of Dawn of X that 
like this very issue, uh, X-Men number 9, that I didn't like, we could still talk about it. And that does make this era so much more special than previous eras, right? Uh, this feeling, it takes me back to my Usenet days, you know, where, like you said, we, we would talk about things like, what is Wolverine's real origin? How old is Wolverine? Is he, is he actually a Wolverine, like the animal? Uh, we would talk about who Cable is, who the third Summers brother was, the Twelve, you know, you know me and the Twelve. We, we talked a lot about the Twelve, all that good stuff. And I feel like it's been a long time since we've had anything like that. I think we're all getting a little too close to the creatives, you know. I think uh, that, and that's just that's an X Men problem. That's not a Marvel problem. That's a comics. I don't even know if it's a problem. It's just a comics thing that is right now where. You know, if, if you want to check in with the creator of any comic, it's easy to do so now. So it's like we're a little too close, and we can see a little bit of the behind the scenes. And I think that really hurts things like this. Because it's never long before we find out the end of a, the, the answer to a question. Or we know what the mystery is going to wind up being solved as, where... In a situation like like Hox Pox Docs here, we've got we've got so many theories, and they all have levels of being valid, and they all have they also have all levels of being bat crap crazy, but that doesn't make them any less valid. So there's definitely that is definitely a very important element of this run of books here. So even the issues I don't like, like this one, it gives us something to talk about, and. Uh, Honestly, I probably, I don't know that I'd still be doing this show if, if it wasn't like that, because really, I mean, do you really need some, some idiot with a New York accent just telling you what happened in a book without any sort of thoughts or theories or analysis or a, a give-and-take conversation? I, I, yeah, I don't know that I'd want to listen to that, and, and I am that guy. So that's an excellent point. That is an excellent point. Uh, Damien continues. I also feel I should have to apologize for the fact that Chris has to trail my comments. What listeners may not notice is that I often skip a couple days, then binge the podcast, so some days Chris receives essay upon essay from me. I feel it's a medical miracle that Chris remains so calm in the face of my onslaught. I imagine it would defeat me. <laughs> no, no, never apologize for that. I, I love getting your messages. I love getting your comments. And, uh... It's actually often difficult for me to like stop myself from covering them all when I get them here. Because I know, I, I don't want to just burst through all of them, but there, there's so many good points. And I, and I actually make notes every time I get uh, comments uh, from, from you, because I know it's going to be a couple days before I drop them on the show. So I always make notes to make sure that I remember points that I want to make, or, or uh, things that I wanted to point out about what you said, and... It's just really, really cool. And, I mean, I gotta say, you add a lot to this program in content, in food for thought, in theories and analysis, and you add so much. I can't even put into words how much you add to my own experience of putting these shows together. So thank you. Thank you so much. And, and keep them coming, please. Uh, don't ever feel weird about it. Uh, it's It really... I really, really enjoy it. So thank you so much, Damien. Uh, next, uh, we got a message from Mark, Green Lantern HG. And he says, Because of work, I have to catch up with two episodes back-to-back. -back. Great work, Chris. 
I, hearing about Reggie's mom smiling made my day. We miss you, Reggie. And uh, that's regarding the fact that the Chris and Reggie channel just broke 100,000 downloads. And uh, when I announced that on Facebook, and saying I announced it makes it sound like I'm somebody who would announce something. I just shared it. There you go. I, sh- I commented that we broke 100,000. And uh, Reggie's mom, who uh, I'm friends with on, on Facebook, she, she smiled. So that was really, really cool. And... Uh, Really made me feel, uh, made made me feel warm. Really, really did. And uh, thank you for that, uh, Mark. Too for, uh, for you know, we, we we all miss Reggie so much. And uh, you know, and it's weird. We're going into Thanksgiving here, and it's 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 different. You know, it's very very different. Um, Mark continues. He says, "And oh boy, more resurrections." So yes, there are more resurrections. And he wraps up with, "Am I wrong in wanting more of the mail segment? We got just such a great bunch of listeners." And yes, the mail segment absolutely rocks. Uh, it's really the bread and butter of this show, I think, because I think there's just so much great analysis being given and shared here, and it's it's a great experience that we're having together. It's a nice little journey, and uh, we got ourselves a nice little club, and it really, really means a lot to me. But uh, and, I, and I'm so happy that you're part of it, Mark, so thank you so, so much. Um, we're going to wrap up with a, a message from Jeremiah, who has some brief thoughts on the Dawn of X number twos. He says, I'm almost done with the Dawn of X number two issues, X-Force and Fallen Angels tonight. I've listened to the corresponding podcast, too, and they're such, they're such fun to listen to after reading the comics. You've got me to take the plunge on the whole thing. I've pre-ordered Dawn of X 12, 13, and 14 through DCBS, and picked up 5, 6, and 7 from in-stock trades. I'll finish them off when I get through the next couple. I'll send an email with my thoughts, but I just wanted to say that so far, each number two issue has been okay, not great. They all feel like second issues, a bit of a letdown from number one while they start to find their way. And yeah, that's, that's, uh, that, first of all, that's incredible that you're, that you're going to follow along. That I love that. That's so cool. I, I can't help but feel a little bit uh, guilty for any time I think that I cause someone to spend money. I always kind of feel kind of weird about that. But uh, uh, I'm so happy you're enjoying it. I'm so happy that this little show here is adding to that experience. And uh, I, and it really means a lot that you're following along. Um, and yes, the number twos were... That's where the... Uh, that's where the same all started to uh, set in for me as well. Because the number ones... Even Fallen Angels, they all came out of the shoot with something to say. Where number two is kind of just more of the same, and it's a little bit water-tready. I mean, we got the, is Xavier going to come back in X-Force? We got the Summers family trip to Dinosaur Island in X-Men. It's, yeah, it's not, not exactly the heights of the first issues but uh but i'm so happy that you're continuing along and, and i hope uh i hope to hear more of your analysis i can't wait to hear your thoughts your full thoughts on uh the dawn of x number two so thank you so much for that and uh that is where we'll put a pin in it for today if anyone out there would like to reach out you could do so at ace comics on twitter and weird comics history at gmail.com Blog posts and show notes are at chrisisoninfiniteearths.com and xlapsed.chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. You can talk to us about any damn thing you please at 90s X-Men on Facebook, and you can check out the entire Chris and Reggie audio archives at chrisandreggie.podbean.com.
Well, that'll do it for today. And uh, I do want to apologize for how negative the synopsis portion was today. Um, I'm not in a bad mood or anything. <laughs> this isn't. I didn't get up on the wrong side of the bed. I'm just so tired of the space stuff. It's really, really grating on me, and I hope we get a break from it sometime soon. And I, I, I mean... For me, it's like space stuff in Otherworld, and I know Otherworld ain't going anywhere for a little bit. So it's like, okay, I'll accept Otherworld, but do we need to have space too? Yeah. But, um, and again, of course, if you guys dug it, I'm happy. I'm happy you dug it, and please don't take anything I'm saying as, uh, as devaluing your opinion. Because if anything, if I put up my opinion against anyone else's, I'm always going to go with yours. Because I always think I'm wrong. But, uh... I'll, I'll, I'll close it there, and uh, I'll just give one more big thank you to everyone. Another happy Thanksgiving for you, those of you uh, American friends who are uh, listening in real time, and uh, hope you had a happy Thanksgiving for all my American friends, and any anybody, actually, who is, uh, who is listening after the fact. But uh, that'll do it for today. I'll hop into our regular ending and say I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya. Yeah.